the first crack was like a, a, a studying thing. Then along with that immediately came emotional yes. damage. The, the yeah. emotional damage only spurred me on to continue. Mm. Um, and not in like some vindictive, spiteful way, but it told me that if people, if, if I'm getting to a point in my research where people can only react emotionally, then I'm really onto something here. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig New Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I welcome my new friend, Justin Best, to the podcast. Known to many by his YouTube and TikTok handle, Bullet Holes in the Bible, Justin was a full-time Christian minister turned agnostic atheist who dedicates his channels to talking about how he came through the pain of deconstructing Christianity and how white evangelical Christianity has been and continues to be harmful to him and so many others. I am so glad I had this chance to talk with Justin. He's such a genuine person, and I'm really grateful for how vulnerably he shared his story with me. If you want to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now. You can find a consistent conversation happening on TikTok if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Justin Best. I'm the most curious about like the switch that went off because what I understand about you is that you were like a full on evangelist, but not just like your run of the mill evangelical. Like you, you talk about people who are Torah observing, which was not my experience. I was a run of the mill evangelical. Right. Right. And you were an evangelist on YouTube, all sorts of things. When did you start doing that kind of stuff? Uh, so I started a YouTube channel called Christian Truthers in 2017, August. And uh, yeah, from there I built over until 2022-ish, I was doing predominantly Christian content. And like you said, uh, teaching about the Torah, but I was also talking about the history of the Bible and how it was made, the history of Pentecostalism, uh, the history of like rapture doctrines and things like that. Mm. And over time, I sort of built this following up. When I, when I got to its peak, it was at 50,000 followers, and I um, had a big Patreon and a huge Bible study community that I had developed. Wow. Um, so, but yeah, long story short, it started that way in 2017. Um, so you, you went with your Christian Truthers YouTube mm -hmm. until 2022? Yeah, I didn't change the name until, uh, I want to say January or early early spring 2022. I actually took all my content down and started putting content up that was contrary to the things that I had been saying. Whoa. And then I, at first, I think I just changed my name from Christian Truthers to just my name, <clears throat> Justin Best. But then I ultimately changed it. When I started my TikTok, I changed the name of both to Bullet Holes in the Bible. And that's because, well, for one, I'm a combat Marine. And so the bullet holes part of it goes along with that. And then, of course, like, it's funny to me because you, you hand out bulletins when you go to church. And I used to do that so much. I volunteered for everything. And of course, pastors make bullet points in their sermons. So I just <laughs> thought it was perfect to do bullet holes in the Bible because I knew that from uh, there on out, I'd be focusing my efforts on showing Christians essentially the problems that I found. So, that's what I'm so intrigued by. So like you were full on dedicated to almost like, would you call it Christian apologetics? Um, I, I would say that 
there was some Christian apologetics involved. I didn't do, I didn't exclusively focus on Christian apologetics, but I learned a lot of Christian apologetics just over the course of time because I was born and raised in the Christian church. Um, but more so, it was uh, my studies were more geared towards helping people who were in mainstream Christianity sort of dig in and discover the deeper hidden truths of the Bible, et cetera. Uh, looking at the prophecies from the Old Testament and how they correlate to the New, uh, looking at, you know, what Jesus meant or what Paul meant and what everything really meant, grace, what grace meant, what faith meant. And so I really dug deep into like the the Greek uh, Septuagint and the Masoretic texts as well. But also the reason I called it Christian truthers is because this was during a time where a lot of this truth movement stuff started really popping off on YouTube. That's right. It covered a whole lot of different topics. So we would discuss a whole range of topics, not just Christianity and the Bible, but also, uh, you know, having to do with uh, conspiracies around food and around medicine and around governments and all that stuff. So Christian truthers was my way of telling people that like, look, I'm hip to the conspiracies, but I still think that it all boils down to our need to focus in on what the Bible says. Yeah. Because ultimately, I thought the Bible was our protection from all the crazy stuff that was coming. You know? Okay, so that 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 time period is really fascinating because so many of the deconstruction people I run into on TikTok started deconstructing when you started Christian Truthers. So they started deconstructing in 2016 with the whole Trump rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you at that time... Now I I don't know you know I was a hard I was a full on right wing Republican that's all you knew as an evangelical I voted for George Bush, you know um, that was the way. Were you in the Trump camp? Um, yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. So like when that was going on, you were in support of that whole movement. Yeah. In fact, I started a Twitter account just to support Trump's campaign. Wow. And. Um, I think at one point it built up to around 24,000 followers or whatever. And literally all I did all day was like Trump news, Trump campaign news, wow. and alt-right news, and just sort of arguing with people on Twitter about stuff. And it, it got, I had, I didn't mean, I wasn't like big or anything, but I did have Paul Joseph Watson from Infowars who works <laughs> for Alex Jones. He retweeted some of my stuff and I felt really big. And actually through, through my Twitter campaign, um, I actually ended up, connecting with Michael Cohen, which was Trump's lawyer. And wow. he and I worked, worked together on a project that I put together for a homeless lady out in California. So he helped me with this fundraiser and trying to get the funds to her and all this. So yeah, I was, my, wow. my goal, my goal in 2016 really was to be more of a political activist. Okay. So I had this, I just had this heart for people and for truth and for whatever, whatever that looks like. I wanted to like use my voice to, to support good things. And yes. At the time I thought that was, Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, but it makes sense. If you, if you're shaped the way that we were trained to think, it does make sense that that would, you'd go all in on Trump. It it Mm -hmm. makes sense. I wonder if your efforts through the YouTube channel started to like expose some cracks within that worldview. What was it that you started to pay attention to that you were like, hold on, this isn't adding up the way that I thought it was. Do you mean politically or biblically or? I guess what, what was the first like sort of block to be knocked away? Was it political or was it religious? No, actually it was religious. Um, So I actually, I actually, during the course of my sort of evolution as a Christian, 
like you mentioned earlier, I came to a place of Torah observance. Yeah. And that, <clears throat> that's another long conversation that we could have. Uh, so and that's love probably to, yeah. familiar to some to some people. It's known as being Hebrew roots okay. or uh, Messianic Torah observant. There's a lot of different names for it, but it's essentially a f- following a lot of Jewish practice, but believing that Jesus was still or Yeshua was still a real historical figure and all that. Yeah. So because I had become so, I guess you would say, uh, niche in my belief set, I actually lost a all my friends and family. <laughs> I wow. Had them, yeah. I've been through periods of losing everyone that I care about and trust many times in my life. And so wow. I think that's kind of prepared me to be who I am today, where yeah. I'm willing to do it again and do it again, because um, I don't wow. know, it just kind of gives you the strength to do that. But see, I sacrificed a whole lot for what I thought was following the scriptures uh, as literally as it possibly could. Yeah. Even arguing with Christians in many cases about biblical doctrine, because yeah. I thought they were sort of indoctrinated into this mainstream, like, uh, just say a prayer and forget about it type thing. And I was convinced that that's not what the literature was teaching, that it was teaching that we have to have actions, follow the laws, follow the instructions of Jesus, et cetera. Mm. So, yeah, I took it extremely seriously to the point that, I mean, like I said, we we didn't eat pork or shellfish or any of the unclean foods from the Bible we only did Shabbat uh, Sabbath services on Saturday, um, and that included like no carrying burdens out of your house, no spending money. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it was very serious. We took we did all the Jewish feasts through the year. We didn't celebrate any of the Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Halloween. Some people didn't even celebrate birthdays. I didn't see a problem with birthdays, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So it's uh, it was it was a very I, th- I want to say altogether, we were very strictly in Torah for about two years, but mm. even for, even prior to Torah, another year, we were we were pretty much becoming outcasted by everyone because we were so, uh, I guess you would say, legalistic is what they would say. But to us, it was it wasn't legalism; it was um, just taking it as seriously as we possibly could. Yeah, you were trying to be faithful, the yes. way that you were brought up to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things you you can probably, uh, I'm curious if you have a similar experience that, and I know you do actually, I've seen some videos where this is the case where people are like, oh, you never understood it or you never were real believer, all that kind of stuff. And when you hear someone say how seriously they took the scriptures, like the way you're describing, then have having deconstructed that and no longer being a believer it's so hard for people who are still believers to take that, that they have to come up with, oh, you never really understood it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think they call it the no true Scotsman's fallacy, right? Yep. Yep. No, you aren't, you weren't really a Christian in the first place, whatever. And I, I, I try and communicate as best as I can to people that really that's the ultimate cop out, you know, yeah. um, that if, if that's the case, then how can we be sure anyone's a Christian or ever really was a Christian in the first place? There's no right. way of having any certainty whatsoever. Right. <laughs> to me, it meant taking the literal words of Jesus that I thought were literal yes. and literally applying them to my life to the yes. point that I did sell a bunch of stuff. I did give it to the poor. I did fast. I did pray in secret. You know, I did carry my cross and follow him. So mm-hmm. I don't know what it means to be a real Christian if not to follow the way of Jesus Christ heart, soul, mind, and strength for years, uh, and then even go out and evangelize and, and try and spread the good news to more people, like you mentioned earlier. So, um, yeah. So, w- yeah. so when you were doing that, was it ultimately 
doing that kind of observing Torah the way that you chose to and being part of community that way that started to expose some cracks for you? Uh, the Yeah, being part of the community was very revealing, but um, I'm careful to say that the, the, you know, the people inside the Torah community themselves didn't uh, really change my mind in terms of like their attitude and their behaviors. Yeah, I saw the hypocrisy. I saw a lot of hypocrisy, hmm. uh, but you see that everywhere. Right. You see that in regular Christian church or even, you know, atheist circles. There's hypocrisy everywhere, depending on who you're around. But yep. um, no, it wasn't really like the actual attitudes and failures of people that really uh, got me questioning things. It was actually just literally um, scholarly study. Mm. So wow. I got I got to a point where I was uh, I had created this series that made a lot of people very angry. This is before I became a non-Christian. This is I was still a Christian, still actively participating and doing Torah and everything. And um, <clears throat> I started noticing that there there were a lot of things that Paul said in the New Testament that totally contradicted the Torah. Mm. Like, I mean, in many ways, Paul speaks against circumcision, saying it is nothing. And in fact, if you if you circumcise someone, they'll, they'll be cut off from Christ. Uh, yep. Paul talks about how he has freedom when he's when he's with the Gentiles, he acts like them. But he's when he's with the Jews, he acts like them. And so I started cluing into this, and I started studying Paul very, very deeply. Mm. I actually fell into this temporary place for several months where I believed that Paul was a false apostle. And that the Christian church, propagated by the Roman system, was built off of Paul's writings. And to an extent, I was right about that, but I just didn't—I didn't really know what I was talking about, though. Um, and so, I was like, okay, so the real, the true way of the faith of Christianity really stems from a different church that Jesus Christ, or Yeshua, or Yahusha Hamashiach, is what I called him. Yeah, the church he created would have been under the 12 real disciples. And so we should look to the writings of John. And I thought those were real writings of disciples at right. the same time. So I made a lot of bad assumptions with all of my initial breakdown. Yeah. It still, it still led me down the path I needed to go. Yes. So I put out this video called 50 reasons to never quote Paul again. And I actually still have it on my YouTube channel. It's like a throwback. Oh, I gotta it's, see that. It's funny because I'm still talking about like trusting in the Lord and stuff at the end, but yeah, uh, I'll leave it up anyways, because it it gives breadcrumbs to what I went through. Mm. And uh, so I demonstrated that there's at least 50 reasons in the New Testament why if you're a Torah-keeping Messianic Jew, you cannot cannot, uh, hold a view where Paul is is in agreement with you. To do so takes a lot of work, and there are people who have done the work, making 12-hour series, trying to explain away what Paul really said and what he really meant. To be like, no, Paul did keep Torah. See, there's one verse here where he says that we're judged by the Torah. It's like, okay, well, four verses later, he says we're not. So, <laughs> but so for a while, I held this perspective that you can have Paul and Torah at the same time, and you just need to look at differently. But then ultimately, the, the, the weight of the evidence became so heavy that I was like, look, either the Torah is out or Paul is out. We can't have both. Yeah. Doesn't, they don't work together. So that was the first crack. And also that was the wow. first, that was also the first like crack or, or I should say wave of flashback I got from my own community uh, in this instance, like from really? Christian Yeah. I've, I've made all these videos 
for so I think it was four four or five years. And people would challenge my ideas sometimes. And they'd sure. say, oh, they just disagree with me at this point or that point or whatever. But when I would put out the 50 Reasons to Never Quote Paul again, I mean, there was like channels making all these Justin Best exposed videos. Uh, my close friends were emailing me, telling me that I've lost the way. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, what's it called? Anathema to Christ. Cut Whoa, off. Oh, you got anathema? Congrats. Oh, yeah. Wow. I got the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, only you would know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, brutal, though. That's that must have been hard to take, though, because you, and, and I don't know where you were at emotionally, but and but to hear from people that you're trying to walk alongside and form about the things that you've been discovering to hear them be like, oh, you've totally lost your way is a painful experience. Mm -hmm. It is. It is a very painful experience. And, you know, at, at the time I was like, there were other leaders in Actually, I mean, leaders in our micro communities of the corner of the internet that I was part of, <laughs> um, who were pretty well known, like have mm. hundreds of thousands of followers, were making like film productions and had done like millions of speaker conferences, like writing books and selling them, those type of like, you know, yeah, like, like micro influencers for different niches or whatever. Yeah. So I, I had been invited to a lot of those things and become friends with a lot of those people and been on their podcasts and their channels. And I became really good friends with with some very influential people in that space. Mm. And so when I did the Paul thing, uh, the hardest part was watching those people. Um, you know, it, I'll give you one example. One guy, I'll just say his name's Rob, and he's right. he's not around anymore. He actually passed away. Mm. But he um, was so he was like one of my closest friends at the time in terms of theological study. Yeah, he actually was so upset about my my video that we did a, uh, we had to do a, a private debate between him and I, and we had a, one of my ministry partners was a moderator at the time. And he's like, look, I, there's no way I can work with you ever again. I can't share any of your stuff ever again. I'm going to take your stuff off my channel. I can't work with you ever again oh, man. Um, because you're so off about this Paul stuff. So we had a long debate, uh. an hour long. And at the end, he conceded to like literally all the points I was making and, and <laughs> Couldn't really come up with a rational explanation. And so he literally told me straight up, and I've told this story a million times because it, it just really broke my heart. Yeah, He told me straight up that he would uh, not be willing to sacrifice all he built, all his books, all his video series, all his congregation, all his, speech, all his relationships with other influencers. Yeah. He's not willing to sacrifice all of that just to consider that Paul might be a false apostle despite the evidence because it wow. would just be too crushing to his whole ministry. Like, so to me, I was like, look, maybe that's what sets me apart from, uh, mm. maybe I, I maybe it was my freedom. Like I didn't need the money to do what I was doing. I never needed the money to do it. And yeah. for some people they did. Yeah. But, uh, when I realized that I was like, wow, some of these people who I really respected a lot, are at the point now when you bring them, you know, like to brass tacks, they'll tell you straight up, look, I'm not going to wreck my ministry over this. <laughs> yes. Oh, 100. I mean, I think anyone that has come onto the other side <laughs> and has been around people who are like, I'm not about to blow anything up because this is too essential to my, not just livelihood, but also, you know, how painful it was to lose just that one relationship. Mm -hmm. When you move away from this worldview it's it takes away your whole community you you yes. not you can't be the same you can't have the same friends it, it's understandable when someone's like you know what it's not worth it to me i'm gonna i'm just gonna 
not even try to question it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's Basically. painful for you to have to deal with that because then yeah. he's like, well, I can't, I can't deal with you anymore. So. Right. So I would say like the, it, the first crack was like a, a, a studying thing. Yeah. But then along with that immediately came emotional yes. damage, right? Emotional damage too. There you go. The, the yeah. emotional damage only spurred me on to continue. Mm. Um, and not in like some vindictive spiteful way, but it told me that if people, if, if I'm getting to a point in my research where people can only react emotionally, then I'm really onto something here because I've always been a man who's like, look, I'm not going to make emotional decisions about eternity, about philosophy, yeah. about whatever. We need to like use some logic here. So when I saw the emotional reaction to what I thought was just, you know, some fundamental study and logic that I was applying, I was like, okay, we're pushing the right buttons. We need to go farther. Wow. So for me, for me um, my next step was to say, okay, look, I don't know. Uh, if any of Paul's writings are legit, because I started digging in more and more about Paul, and I found out that Paul actually was the first person to ever write about Jesus. I didn't know that back then. I thought it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, <laughs> yeah, and, then, right. and then Paul started writing stuff <laughs> later, and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so when I started, they don't tell us that, that they don't tell us that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. It's weird too because I had all this obscure knowledge about the history of the Bible and the history of the church, and I've been. I've been like ripping apart denominations and saying, this is trash. This is trash doctrine. And I somehow never noticed that simple thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so ultimately I got to a place where I was like, look, I need to prove at least to myself that uh, Jesus or Yeshua as a character, as a, as a, even if it's fictional, which I didn't even question at that yeah. moment, but yeah. that he can in fact fit into the narrative of the of the old testament smoothly into the new like mm. him coming really does fulfill what needs to be fulfilled that was left left undone in the old and that his fulfilling of it was proper and according to the hebrew text and according yeah. to the prophecies according to the law and so i'm like well if paul is not the things that he should have been to be an a a, a, a proper prophet and a proper writer of god's word scribe or or disciple mm. then it is jesus and so I, I started writing this article series wow. called The Messiah Complex. And it was, uh, I mean, they were, it was pretty in-depth. I think I spent two weeks on it. I was probably cranking out one article every two days, just a lot of resources, a lot of uh, citations and stuff. And I thought at the time that I was proving that Jesus, <laughs> the, the ideas of Jesus were hidden all in the Old Testament. Yeah. And I was like, going off. I'm like, oh, this is another one. This is another one. Oh, this is another one. I had I had already made videos in the past comparing Joshua to Jesus and how Jesus is just like Joshua. Sure. I had done videos in the past comparing him to Moses. And one of the articles I wrote was uh, called A Prophet Like Moses. And it actually, mm. I lined out like 30 ways that Jesus and Moses were like identical. Wow. And so I'm like, this is, this is going to be easy. I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to show everyone that Jesus fits into the narrative. Yeah. And as I was getting to the end of that series, I ran into some information that really, um, really like made me pause. And I, I, I think honestly, the first person I really started to really give me pause was a guy named Tovia Singer. Do you know who that is? No. He's actually a he. He's a Jew who lives in Israel, and he has a ministry called uh, Jews for Judaism. And he's like a con. He's like a counter to Jews for Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so uh, I got onto his stuff and I was specifically focusing in on were these prophecies actually fulfilled and were they actually talking about a future coming Messiah? And in order to to really make a, a honest argument on that, I had to hear the best arguments against yes. these prophecies. And so I deconstructed the prophecies to the extent that I realized that none of them are talking about Jesus at all. It's so clear that Jesus is like this Greco-Roman, you know, archetype who just fills all these like traditional stereotypes of the demigods before. It's like to us, it's obvious now. Um, but at the time, I, I didn't I didn't realize that, you know, I was yeah. just trying to see, is he a prophet or not, you know? So I ended up uh, coming into so many problems, realizing I cannot actually prove that he fulfilled any prophecy. Yeah. Additionally, this light bulb came on where I was like, wait a second, what if they wrote about Jesus in a way that made him seem like mm. he was Moses, in a way that made him seem like he fit into Joshua's prophecy or whatever? Yep. And that's when the light came on, and I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, my gosh. Wow. They, I just found the fingerprints of their handiwork, but all it was is in reverse. Yes. It didn't say all that. It didn't say all that, and then Jesus came and fulfilled it. It said all that, and then they wrote the New Testament to make Jesus sound like he fits in there. I have, I mean, I know what my slow process of coming to this place of, wait, maybe Jesus isn't God. That was... Mm -hmm earth shattering to me yeah and i wouldn't vocalize it for so long was it the same feeling for you i mean you had built yeah. up you had built up quite not just like your own life it's clear that you're passionate about what you want like truth like you, oh, yeah. you you're passionate about what um yeah what is real and you mm -hmm. want to get to the bottom of that yes. when that and on top of the fact that you had like an audience mm -hmm. when that came up for you what was your next move? Like, were you just totally distraught? Like, how did you communicate this to your wife, your kids? Like, what did that look like? Well, that's a good question. That's a great <laughs> question. So thankfully my wife, Jackie has been literally like step-by-step -by, -step by my side through every step of the process. Mm, love it. Um, she literally is my best friend. It always mm. has been. There's no, I don't even hang out with anybody else. We just, she and I decompress each other every day. You know, I, I know what she's doing at work. She knows what I'm doing at my work. And that's how we kind of like get things off our chest. We just stay, we just stay in sync as much as we possibly can. And mm -hmm. we're lucky to be able to do that because she works from home. I work from home. Nice. And so it's, it's not always, I mean, it's ideal for sure, but it's not, it's not easy for everyone to have that type of relationship, but yeah, I'm very, very fortunate in that way. And so she was there. I mean, when I'd have some crazy revelation, I'd, I'd come to some, uh, I don't know, realization I would. I would run to Jackie, you know, yeah. like, you know right now? I'd, I'd bust in with my Bible, my Sefer, like, look what it says here. Look what it says here. This, you know, like oh. I would, I would keep her abreast of everything. And she yeah. was just, she, um, I, you know, she trusts me a lot. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But she also ran Bible studies. She also had like really thick prayer journals that she still has. Like she was so in deep yeah. uh, with me, but she also knew that I didn't come to conclusions um, without reason, I wasn't yeah. making emotional decisions. So it, it was kind of like, I, I would make an article or a video or, uh, or, or even a Google doc study for myself. Mm. And she would just pour through it and click through all the things. And, wow. and so she, she wanted to stay with me. She wanted to make sure that we were on the same wavelength. 
And uh, so, yeah, when at every at every step, when I when I remember, I thought Jesus wasn't God either, even before I quit Christianity for a while. Mm. And, um, that was a popular opinion among some of the early Christians, uh, especially right. the, the Ebionites. Yep, yep, I consider myself a, a pseudo Ebionite for a while. They don't believe that Jesus was God. They think he was uh, sort of endowed with spiritual power at his baptism. Yep. You know, um, so I went along with that for a while too. I'm like, okay, well, maybe Jesus isn't God because Man, he's you have you've gone through so many different iterations. <laughs> I think in a really beautiful way because it's like when you think about the way the mind evolves and adapts to new information, to new stimuli, like you you took it and you're like, wait, there I'm not just trying to create this new thing. I want to know where it's rooted. Is there some other tradition? Because I think I think that's a really beautiful thing that you're not just like, oh, I found the truth to all things and I'm the first person to do it. You're really finding where it's connected to something in the past. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. I had a similar journey, not necessarily the same way, but like, oh, no, I'm this. I'm an Anabaptist now. Oh, I'm this. You know, yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. That's very cool. And I oh, love I love that about your wife where the two of you are just like, figuring it out together because that is a very disruptive thing to be like, well, no more Jesus. Wait, hold on. What? Like our lives are centered around this. I know. I know. And dude, when I was like, when I was leading this um, Christian truthers thing, I would literally travel to different States to do these big baptism events. People would travel to me and I'd baptize them in a lake, me and my ministry wow. partner. Yeah. And so um, at, at the height of the, I called it Christian Truthers Fellowship. At the height of it, I had 900 people, and they were each categorized into groups of 10 with a with a leader above each group. Wow. And they were all on video chat together every day. And there was three men's Bible studies, two women's Bible studies, and one children's Bible study. Every week, Zoom codes, schedules, leaders all assigned. Uh, I would wow. help develop the curriculum, and they'd help build on the curriculum. I'd do a Friday night live stream with my ministry partner, and we'd have 800 to 1,200 people every Friday night listening to us teach out of the Torah live. It was a massive thing. Like I, I had so many people, I mean, trying to convince me that I was a prophet. Even my own ministry partner, yeah, I know, I know, right? Even my own ministry partner wow. tried to convince, convince me that I was a prophet. And the whole way, every time someone did something like that to me, especially a leader, when they tried to be like, Hey man, you know, like God's mm. using you. Like God's using us. I think we're in the end times. I think maybe you're a prophet of Israel and shit. Well, every time I did hear something like that, it would a red flag would go way up. Mm. So I'm like, look, dude, I'm not gonna lie about any bullshit, and I am not a freaking prophet. But yes, <laughs> I keep the law in every way possible that I know how to do. I will yeah. sacrifice my balls in my life to do what I think is right. But I have no power. God has not told me shit. I have no future revelation. Like, I'm not. A I prophet. wish God would tell me shit. <laughs> I know she would. <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the seriousness with which people took my words and my teaching mm. was like, was really heavy. Mm. So, um, luckily, I like it. Like, I had Jackie with me, mm. and we sat down, and, and once once she and I had both come to this conclusion and we came to these conclusions and steps, right? Like yeah. she agreed with me about the Paul thing. She agreed with me about mm. the Ebby and I Jesus thing. And then she agreed with me. But so we got to the point eventually where we're like, it got easier and easier as things started falling away. 
to yeah. where you were like less and less surprised. Yeah. And so when I finally got to the point where I was like, look, the New Testament is fiction, mm. you know, Jackie's like, yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Like it's, yeah, we're there. We're there. Yeah. It, it's over. Like, yeah. Uh, well, that's so, really great that the two of you were able to come to that place without much surprise that you'd yeah. been journeying together that to that point. Yeah, I feel very lucky, man. Did, was that, so, so was that like late 2021? When are we talking? Yeah. Uh, so she and I were pretty sure it's over. Um, yeah, it was probably late 2021, maybe even mid 2021. Yeah. And by within six months or so, we, I took all my content down and started over and changed my name. It's, I didn't change my name, but I just started over. And um, the community really flipped out. They really, really flipped out. If the, right. I thought the Paul thing was going to make them mad, that was nothing. I started <laughs> posting videos. <laughs> I started posting videos about the New Testament being debunked and how Paul um, borrowed word for word all these huge phrases and um, and his philosophical ideas from Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Seneca, uh, and then Homer, of course. And once I started seeing these things, I started laying them out for people. What's really funny is I didn't get any really good arguments back. And I was yeah. surprised by that because I had yeah. dudes that I, there's still channels to this day. I can name off a few that are still making videos every week and they think they're real smart. Yeah. And they got all this deep Hebrew, Greek knowledge and historical context and they love to flex their genius. But when I handed them like Paul versus Plato video or the Mimesis and Mark video, where I show that Mark used Homer's writings as a template for the entire first gospel, which is Mark. <laughs> crickets, man. Just crickets. Like That's so where, interesting. Where's all the genius that guys come to bunk me? Come seriously. But instead, it's just emotional, ad hominem, straw man, crazy stuff. They're like, yeah. oh, he's really just mad because, you know, during the time that I was actually in Torah and fighting to promote Torah, I was also in the middle of a custody battle. Mm. Not, not custody battle, but I was trying to get more time with my kids. I, I had 50% custody on paper, but yeah. our time sharing agreement was messed up because I was deployed. So when I got back from deployment, I was trying to get more time according to the agreement and it involved a lot of court stuff it, uh, and, and ended up causing a lot of like personal emotional trauma because I'm sure. uh, unfortunately my wife decided to implement malicious tactics to just convince uh, my older two children that I'm a, you know, zealot, radical extremist, religious zealot and I wouldn't let them like go to baseball games or go to their friend's house and stuff on Sabbath day. I wouldn't let them eat pork at my house and just stupid stuff. So as, though, that, as that was a detrimental thing to their, what their life, their freedoms in Christ Jesus. Cause she was a Christian, my ex-wife. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, so, that's brutal. Justin. I'm so yeah. sorry. Oh, thanks. Thanks, man. But yeah. So in the midst of all of the um, chaos of me starting to share what I'm finding, <clears throat> even when I was leaving Torah and even when I was in, I was also dealing with court battles and custody stuff and a oh. lot of like smear campaigns and narcissistic abuse and therapy. Yeah. And um, so wow. I, I did go through a period of like depression. I mean, it yeah. was probably uh, probably six months or so. I didn't even want to talk to anybody about anything because um, I didn't feel like I was in the place to do it. Mm. But to this day, you still have these like religious scholars, so to speak, 
who want to use this, this, they want to say, oh, he was, you know, he was following the Torah and he thought God was going to make his life better, but God just made his life harder to test him. And so he fell away because he couldn't stand the tests of God and all this stuff. I'm like, listen, dudes, I have videos with specific reasons why I left the faith. Yeah. Please answer those. Like, You know, though, that's so telling. First of all, thank you for sharing that because that's painful stuff. And um, yeah, I, I know what depression is like. I know I can resonate. But I also, one like all the time, you can sort of experience this over and over and over and over and over again, that when you have done the work to try to be as faithful as possible to this thing. You've studied the ins and outs of it. You've lived it. And that's how you experience the truth of something, right? Is you live it out too. Oh, yeah. Like the people who criticize you that you're like, uh, that you're some kind of false prophet or that you're weak or some, it's always goes after your character. And that is, I don't know if, I, I guess I wonder for you, I know for me, I'm at this point in my life, able to just like it hits me and there's like whatever <laughs> I don't, yeah. you don't know me you don't know anything about it but at those early stages when you're going through the court battles when you're going through depression when you're going through this major shift did those character shots hit a little bit deeper or were you sort of fortified you and your wife like did you have sort of enough within you to not take those for at like for real like a uh, character assignments that you put on yourself too great question man it it um it in the beginning it hurt really bad and this is coming from a guy who again uh, i've been in many firefights i was in the marine corps for 13 years i was a combat mm. instructor i've been through a lot of really difficult hardships lost a lot of friends like right next to me i've carried mm. my friends bodies down from rooftops uh, like i've seen a lot of crazy stuff and been through a lot of emotional like testing but uh, I'll be honest, when all the ad hominem attacks started and I went from this guy's probably a prophet to this guy's the Antichrist, it hurt really bad. But yeah. I, I think it mostly hurt because I uh, because the arguments didn't make any sense. And yeah. and I and I and couples like if someone is legitimately mad at me because I'm saying something that's false, then that makes sense. Yes. Like tell me what it is and and I'll be empathetic towards your anger and your frustration. And I won't even be mad at you for that. I get it. Like, okay, I said something wrong. It irritated you. Okay. I'm sorry, but I didn't say anything wrong and I'm just telling the truth and I'm laying out all of my like honest, like uh, research and everything I have. And I'm at the mercy of the court here saying, guys, I've always done you right. I've always mm -hmm. told you what I, what I had. And that's why you've liked me so far. Right. So here's the next thing. Here's where I'm at now with this. To see some so many people just like turn on, on you emotionally, that really surprised me. It really yeah. hurt me. I, I knew they'd be upset, irritated, and want to challenge me, but I didn't know that they would start lying about me. Yes. Like, I didn't know that they would start um, literal smear campaigns and that they would start saying things that aren't true that I said. And, like, that really hurt. That hurt a lot. I was like, wow. I, and that was for me, is that a, that emotional crack number two, where you're just like, okay, I thought this was bullshit. You guys just confirmed it is because there is zero Jesus Christ in any of you. There is zero Holy spirit in any of you whatsoever. Um, of course, now I, I think about it differently. Oh, that's so interesting. 
again, thank you for sharing that because it people just, and I don't know if they care, but they don't realize how painful it is on this uh, when you're going through that to lose the people that you thought were your people. You're like ride or die. And it's not just that they're, you know, I, I was, I'm like you, I think, in the sense that, hey, if we got a disagreement, let's argue this out. Let's do yeah. it. Let's reason yeah. together. You know, this is a biblical concept, right? Let's yeah. reason, the, Isaiah, let's That's reason right. together. Let's do it. Um, and I'm all for that. I want that. I want more of that. That's what I base a lot of my TikTok on. My, like, let's reason together. Let's do this. You got, you have a perspective. I have one. Let's, let's do that. When I throw out something reasonable, what I get back is very unreasonable. And I'm genuinely asking for some kind of give and take, right? Mm -hmm. But then what happens is once you get that unreasonable thing and someone takes a shot at your character, it's not just a shot at your character. It's also a shot at your livelihood. It's a shot that you're, you're forced to confront within yourself that you should never have to confront that's based, that's built off the shame that those people feel about themselves that they throw at you that you already feel about yourself because we come from a shame-based religion and it's just a mess of emotional unhealth and i wonder what you've done i want to talk about we're going to have to do a part two justin oh please yeah i love you bro yeah same i wonder for you i want to get to the more a more um biblical untruths and also your political journey i want to hear what did you what have you been doing to heal from the shots fired against you great question man um so uh, along with what you were just saying that's a wonderful segue so much of our identity or my identity and yours i'm sure and, and other people out there listening is in their faith in christ or christianity before that my identity was primarily um in the marine corps it was like, I mean, I was always deploying, always gone. It's a terrible job. You're never at home. So I was a Marine. And on top of that, I was a combat Marine. And then on top of that, I was uh, meritoriously promoted. And the Marines in the Marine Corps thought that I was a high-ranking, awesome Marine. So I had an identity on top of an identity on top of an identity, right? And then I leave the Marine Corps, and no one has a clue who I am. Don't give a crap what I've done or, or any of my I, – I, who am I now? Who am I now? So I became a college student, you know, or whatever it was. But when I, when I came into the truther movement and really dove into uh, the faith and the Bible and really fell in love with it again, that became my identity. Um, my identity became a servant of God, a, a truth seeker, you know, a, um, an evangelist. My identity was a child of God, and, and no matter what anyone says or does, I know that somewhere up there there's this wise loving god who sees that i'm not playing he sees that i'm not a hypocrite he sees that i'm not you know i'm not out here for money and 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 i knew that my identity was secure in that no matter what anyone said about me and my research or my my opinions that god knew that i wasn't lying about shit at least to the best of my ability um yes and and in this in in the face of this community i was a community organizer, community leader, a teacher, whatever it was. So oftentimes our identity is only a reflection of like, it's, it's like, it's uh, juxtaposed, I guess, by everyone else, right? It's like a yes. reference by who you are with the backdrop of every who everyone else thinks you are as well. Yes. Right? So you, you lose that <laughs> by becoming an agnostic atheist. 
And for me, I fell straight back into like, okay, who am I? Like yeah. Derek Zoolander, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for what I did to heal was I focused in on um, figuring out who I am and what what is morality mm. and what is my worldview what is my purpose? Like really existential questions. Yeah. Well, existentialism always kind of fueled everything that I did in, in Christianity anyways. So yeah. that didn't really just stop when I threw the Bible away. Um, what I did to heal, honestly, was I got, I got therapy because, mm-hmm. and I did a lot of reading. I, I read a lot of um, books about Tao, uh, nice. Taoism, nice. and also Zen, yeah. Zen Buddhism. And um, I listened to a lot of Alan Watts and Alan, yeah. uh, what's his name? Eckhart Tolle. And, yeah. um, so I, I learned, I, I really went really inward. I was really quiet. I made yeah. some announcements on my channel. Everyone flipped out. And then I went internal. Okay. And for yeah. about six months, I learned about self-care, about self-love. And I started deconstructing uh, something I didn't even realize was there the whole time, which was... Uh, me being a victim of narcissistic abuse, both as a child, as a married guy with my last relationship, and then with the Christian God and all the people in Christianity who who acted like God, you know? And so <laughs> in Christianity, self-love is the antithesis. It's the enemy of the gospel. Like you have yes. to hate yourself, hate your sin. You, you understand the wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. Yeah, uh, Paul. Paul is even his righteous deeds are like filthy rags in the sight of God. So everything we do is just trash and gross, and yes, that's what draws us to our our uh, trauma response need for Jesus to save us and everything. Yeah, and so when you again just discard the Bible, then you're like, well, am I still a piece of shit? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, am I, is it still wrong for me to like? Um, take care of myself instead of giving everything away to everyone all the time. Mm. And so um, I had to learn how to say no to people. Uh, and I, I literally had I have therapists, counselors that I still talk to yeah, not good. as frequently as I used to, but, and they had to coach me through this. They'd be like, dude, like you need to learn how to look in the mirror and say that you love yourself. You need to mm. learn how to tell yourself kind things. Um, you need to stop. You need to stop right now committing to anything anyone asks you to commit to. Yeah. except for uh, things that involve your own healing. I started journaling. Um, I started doing affirmations. And I I literally just disconnected all sources of toxicity in my life, but specifically narcissistic toxicity. Yeah. And that it that did include my parents. Mm. Um, oh. And, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think that in the process of learning to love myself instead of hate myself and getting that self-care piece in along with studying narcissistic personality disorder and how it affects people that led me into the study of spiritual abuse, religious trauma syndrome and, and religious abuse and how that affects critical thinking skills and literally causes depression, anxiety, all kinds of existentialism. And so I started having this sort of psychological social um, evolution where I realized that I need to, and thank Zeus again <laughs> for, 
for my wife because she's she was every step of the way again very lucky very like she was every step of the way right there mm. uh, encouraging me uh, reminding me of who i am to her as her husband as as a father to my children as a man that people still respect even though I, they don't i don't hear the positive i only hear the negative hmm. but still a man that people respect and love and cherish and um, so it just took a lot of time for me to like learn to believe that. And uh, ultimately, I developed a new uh, my own worldview uh, based on just using principles of, I guess you would say, Tao and Zen and things like that. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.